0: Welcome to the Going Deeper section of 31 Days of Worldview Wisdom, a Disciple Nations Alliance podcast with Arturo Cuba. In this third episode, he goes into more depth about one of the big issues mentioned previously. This is Greek dualism, or evangelical Gnosticism.
1: The first one I'm going to talk about evangelical Gnosticism, or I guess in seminaries they, they call it Greek dualism. Something that I normally say to pastors and people is every year churches celebrate the Reformation anniversary and when I get invited to say something during those days the first thing I say you know the Reformation never came here to Latin America Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sound kind of contradictory, but it is true. I mean, the Gospel arrived to Latin America, but the Reformation never arrived, not even with the traditional churches like Presbyterians. I have a, a very good friend. I respect him very much. He's a, a Presbyterian pastor. He has no idea how to transform a nation. He has no idea about Coram Deo. He has no idea about any of those things. However, he's a great pastor, and I said, This is a big problem and probably this is uh, something that may be the interest of missionaries is that uh, we have managed to separate the gospel from the biblical principles and take the gospel as a message of salvation, just accept Jesus as your Lord and everything is fine. There's so little to do after that and that's the gospel we have received. In the past. Uh, if you see the history of some missionary movements in Latin America, they suffer a lot. And I heard some incredible stories of, of missionaries, especially American missionaries, arriving to a wild places in Bolivia and giving up their lives with their families. And, and they really took the gospel there. But what nobody else later did was to continue with discipleship and to bring in a Christianity that transform and reform other countries in Europe, in North America, but it wasn't taken the same way to South America. On the other hand, South America was colonized by, by the Spanish people, and colonizers were very much religious people, but they had this Catholic background, and what you find behind the Catholic background is the, the strong influence of the Greek culture. The Greek culture not only in the nice things, of their education and their literature, their philosophy, but the, the bad things too. And to me, one of the things that has transcended through time and has been institutionalized in the Catholic Church is the dualism, the separation of uh, spiritual things one side and consider them good, useful for the glory of God, and to separate them from the natural things of life that are considered of a lower level and not worthy of God's glory. So I guess they were very honest in what they did, but they were very wrong too at the same time. And the Spanish culture was very much involved with this type of faith. So today, even when people do not consider themselves as religious people or Christians, it doesn't matter. They bear in mind, subconsciously, this type of dualism that works everywhere. And most people who become evangelical believers, they operate from this point of view. And they they are not aware of that. And if you see it closely, and you can see the history and, and your own personal story of what this person form of belief produces, in my opinion, is very destructive. Well, unfortunately, you need to get old (laughs) to see it. But when me and some other kids, we met Jesus when we were young, uh, we were so enthusiastic, so spiritual. Boy, there was nothing we, we wouldn't do to glorify the Lord. And and I remember a couple guys that, uh, that came to our church. Well, we didn't have a church. It was a praying meeting. And these guys, uh, in a very null act, they announced that they were going to leave their studies in order to serve Jesus. And we all were impressed. That's amazing. These guys are going to stop studying, and they are going to devote their time serving Jesus. And I don't know. But because of this dualism that sees natural things in life and you can find your studies there as low versus the spiritual things like serving God, preaching and teaching as high, that seemed to be logical, natural for us. And today, of course, I, I say that, well, that's like committing suicide. Those guys... I ended up going nowhere. Of course, as I say, you don't notice this until you are old. <laughs> you see yeah. why my family left me or why I'm poor or why I, everybody don't take me as an important person because you, you chose that road. And something I, I understood about the Christian life is that we don't need to pass a theological test in order to be blessed by God, God blesses us anyway. It doesn't matter where we go. But He gives us His truth in order to produce life. But it's a great responsibility to know how to understand it. It seems that that didn't work well during that time. And as I said before, 40 years later, all those kids who were very enthusiastic at that at that moment today are lives who have failed in all those ways are in the natural ways and because all the natural ways are broken the spiritual side is the same way it's not sustainable and of course sometimes when i teach about this i say look how many hours do you go to to church Probably Sunday, three hours, and plus a couple hours more in another kind of meeting. So it means five hours that you think that you are serving God. But how many hours do you spend at home, at work, business, and all that per week? If you think about 12 hours per day and multiply by seven, it means at least 84 hours. 84 hours where you think that you are not serving God. Versus five hours. If you keep that rhythm for some years, you're going to find yourself, you know, uh, isolated from God and thinking that you are just doing religious things. That's, That's psychologically natural. And this separation of the natural versus the spiritual will lead you there unstoppably. It is nice to trace this in history. I have a presentation where where I show how it happened in the past and with how the Greek supposedly thought at that time and why and how it became a Christianized idea. Now, this dualism is something that they started with their ideas, but it's uh, almost uh, anecdotal to think how Christianity moved from Israel and landed in Rome, which was culturally gained by the Greeks, and then how a syncretism happened through the years. And Greeks were very strong-minded. They were people proud of their own ideas. I was reading about this Greek king, Alexander. And Alexander, his uh, empire, his intention to win the nations was not like Romans. Romans, they wanted political control, they wanted slave people who could pay taxes for them, but what Alexander wanted, of course he wanted that too, but what he wanted is to take his culture everywhere. He wanted all peoples of nations to know the great Greek philosophers of his time. He took the kind of Greek school constructed one in every place because he wanted everybody to be educated according to the Greek ideas, and that's why we have the New Testament in Greek, because Greek was a universal language at that time. When the Lord Jesus said, go to all nations and preach the gospel or make disciples of all nations, at that very moment, that world was a Greek world with Greek language and Greek mentality. So these guys these apostles they went to that world their first struggles besides evangelism and church pastoring was to fight lots of heresies that came from the Greek side and I imagine that they were dying little by little and in time all the leaders of of the church were Greek and that was it through time they were integrating all the Greek things to the Christian faith, and that's what we can see the Catholic Church constructed based on and this mixture of ideas. And one of those ideas is this dualism, because the Greeks always thought that natural things were a curse that shouldn't be here. I mean, this is something, is a kind of cosmological accident. We should be kind of spiritual beings and living in a spiritual world, that belongs to a good God. But this bad God made creation. Can you believe that? And that's why when you go to the Catholic Church, they don't speak too much about creation. They always speak about heaven, you know, because it reflects very much that thinking. And we are not aware of that. When we accept Jesus, we, we start thinking the same way. I'm going to leave my studies. They are not worthy for God's glory. I'm going to leave my home. Because Jesus said, if I don't leave my father, my mother, I am not worth to follow him. And, and I remember I was invited to talk to some kids who were young adults. And they were preparing to go to Spain and I don't know where else. But they were a good number of kids, some 20 kids, who had money because they belonged to a church of wealthy people and they were very good believers in the sense that they very honestly wanted to serve God. And I went to talk to them and I got surprised that they all were leaving university behind. I don't know if they were good students or not, but they said that they had to leave their studies because they had received this sacred calling Mm -hmm. to serve Jesus as missionaries. And I was just shocked. I saw so much potential in these kids, so young. So, healthy guys, uh, and girls, and with parents with good financial conditions, these kids could do a lot if they could serve for the kingdom of God, but they were going, they were having frustration, and they didn't know it because it needs time for them to know, to know what is going to happen in the end. They will fail in life unless God can help them to see. I guess if we can reflect on this problem, we're going to find very interesting things. Like, for instance, I like to confront people. I do a very nice mental exercise. I go to the PowerPoint presentation, but I draw a line. I write spiritual on one side, and I write natural on the other side. And I say, I'm going to mention something, and you are going to tell me if it sounds spiritual or it sounds natural it's funny, because people already know it. It's in their worldview. For instance, I write, the church. How does it sound to you? Everybody says, spiritual. I write it under the spiritual thing. And I try to find something besides the church, kind of similar in nature. And I say, what about my home? How does it sound to you? Oh, that's physical. And they say, physical. And I go one by one, like for instance, how does it sound, how does it sound, work? Oh, that's physical. How does it sound, uh, Christian ministry? Oh, that's spiritual. And I'm just teasing them. Mm -hmm. But I go one by one. For instance, I say, how does it sound, science? And they say, oh, that's physical. Mm -hmm. And what could you say if you don't want science? You want something spiritual. And they say, theology. Okay, let's write it that way. So I, I try to do that. In the end, we have a long list of things that are typically considered spiritual versus the things that are considered natural. And I say, how do you know this? Who told you this is classification? I never said anything about that, but you already knew it. And they don't know that it comes from their Catholic Greek background. And then we start talking about that, and then we examine the point, and we say, okay, Let's talk about church versus home. Prove me that church is more spiritual than home. Prove me that. Prove me through the scriptures. And I take my own scriptures and I can prove them that God wants to be glorified more at home than in anywhere else. And it's interesting because then we apply the idea of truth produces life and lies produces death. What happens when I think that God cannot be glorified at home? And then we mention all the wrong things. And what happens if you take Jesus to your house and you consecrate everything for his glory and you and your children, you clean the house for the glory of, of the Lord and you enjoy food for the glory of the Lord and you do this. And then we review some historical nice things that we can say about the the Jewish people, how God wanted every Jewish father to be responsible for the spiritual life of their own family and why God never gave that responsibility to, to spiritual leaders or religious leaders. Then, little by little, we land in an amazing concept of how God really invented home for the spiritual life. And of course the church is a a God's invention, but we have distorted that with the temple and the construction and all that, and people get lost on it. So the church starts at home. And if you do that, you're going to go your five hours to church and probably many more hours at home. So if I ask you which one is spiritual, you shouldn't not know. You should say, well, the church, I think, is spiritual, but at home, oh, Lord, God does so many things at home with us. And you shouldn't know which one. The the question should be nonsense, in a way. And uh, this is a very interesting uh, workshop. It's uh, something really revealing. And I like to see that. Well, I, I won't use more time talking about that, but there are many examples, let me tell you. The other thing is, as I said yesterday as a biblical principle, work is sacred. And I say, why do you say that uh, work is physical and a ministry, and anyone you want to mention, is, is spiritual? Why is it that if I am a doctor, I'm less spiritual than if I am a pastor? Why do you say that? And again, we go to the same thing. We start with the idea that if you go to the Old Testament, well, I I don't speak any or read or know more about uh, any uh, biblical language, but uh, as, as far as I know in the Old Testament, the word for worship is the same word for work. And that's quite interesting because for the Greek, work was not anything with dignity. So they had a word for work, and... Martin Luther was translating the Bible from Greek to German, and he struggled with that word. And because he decided not to use the Greek word, he came up with the word profession. And the word profession is is something new. He added to his translation to transmit believers because profession means that, means a calling, God's calling. Pro-fe, in, even in Spanish, is more understandable because fe means faith, mm-hmm. and pro means towards faith. It's a calling, and it's, it's quite interesting because he understood that people needed to know that working was very important part of their spiritual life if they did it as unto the Lord, as we saw it in the last session. I was telling this morning a very interesting story. When we were working in in Guatemala, we used to have some uh, volunteers that came to the organization to help us with many things. Most of them are Americans or Canadians. And there was this young couple who came to work with us. They were very nice guys, very young. And he was graduated in literature. We always expected the volunteers to come and to have other kind of skills, maybe construction or health or something like that, maybe more applicable to our job, but that wasn't the case with him. And I remember that we didn't know what to do with him. At the beginning, we kind of gave him some administrative tasks. He didn't like them anyway, and little by little, he was getting frustrated. We used to have some meetings where we got people together from many places of the country in the same organization. I remember we had to introduce ourselves every time. My name is Arturo Cuba and I work in that region and my job is to do this. And Everybody had something interesting to do. I work with children, I work with health, I work with this. I remember many times when he stood up and said, my name is this and that, I come from the United States, and I am the one who does nothing. And he repeated one and over, and that was the way to say, I'm frustrated. I want to serve, but I don't know what I'm doing. I I went to the place where he was working, and I began to teach this thing of work is sacred, and some other things, and he was just so much impressed by well. I didn't see him for some months, and next time I saw him, he was so happy. He was so satisfied, and he stood up and said, I want to give a testimony, and I always thought that God could not use me for anything interesting in this organization, but I took those teachings that I thought they were uh, interesting, and I didn't know who uh, could I teach, and I found a group of uh, construction workers outside my home. I don't remember if they they were related to the organization or particular people. And I decided to approach them, and I proposed them to to teach the Bible, to study the Bible. And they accepted that, so I took the opportunity to teach them about work. And he told me, and it was amazing how these kids changed. And they changed almost immediately. Next day they were praying, they were doing incredible things. And he said, I never thought this was so powerful in that way. I mean, to understand that God wants you to serve him with the things you you enjoy most, which is your own work. It doesn't make sense to have a God where you go and you sing to him, you adore him, you... You listen to his teachings, but when you go to work, none of them make sense. Can you believe that? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that's psychologically a huge problem. (laughs) So I remember, and he was so happy, and he wanted to continue doing that, and he understood the nature of our work to change people's minds. Mm -hmm. It's the most powerful thing we can do. So little by little, you can find that this dualism can create very difficult problems. Another one is, I'm not going to talk much more about this, but it puts science against faith. And probably you have heard a lot about that kind of discussions, but putting science against faith can create many more problems. For instance, because of dualism, I was so interested in spiritual things that I was not capable to see God's glory in nature. And I believe one of the greatest uh, losses of the Christian faith when people do that. Because God is the creator. So we talk about Jesus as my savior, but and we never talk about Jesus as my creator. And watching creation from this point of view requires you to persuade your mind. Because we have underestimated creation so much that we don't see any any glorious thing about that. But it is incredible. I guess people in all times, they called it natural theology. And most of the first theologians, they were great in mathematics because they like astronomy. And they were trying to solve that amazing mystery of stars and planets. And they came up with mathematics and astronomy, and lots of science, and they realized that this creation was an amazing work of wonders from God. So why don't we have that tradition? Why our children are fail in science? They are not good in medicine or good engineers. They, they should be. This is the, the very nature of our faith. One by one, that's why people, you know, are more interested in miracles than in certain aspects of creation. We study more New Testament, but we don't study or pay much attention to Genesis, for instance. I always complain, why do we teach our children about this nice but childish fig- figures of Noah with lots of little animals packed in a small both when Genesis has incredible teachings, our problem is that because of our dualism, we are blind to them. We need to open our eyes and to start again. And if we do that, we are going to find amazing things, amazing teachings that can lead our lives to glorify God in ways that we never expected. But it doesn't happen. So for most believers this greek dualism is a trap it doesn't allow us to see god's kingdom and as i said if you live in this platform of faith you will find many problems in life in this that's just a matter of time and if we insist to live with this dualism we don't abandon the christian faith but little by little we will get isolated from society because society is made out of all the natural things that we are trying to leave aside and little by little we will become strange people you know very strange people i remember i was reading a this book of osgines um his name the call Guinness starts with this story that he was driving his car and he stopped in a gas station, and there was a man who came to serve the gas, the fuel, to his car, and they began a conversation, and the conversation extended almost for the whole afternoon, and he said, I had a wonderful conversation with this man, mm-hmm. and he said, y- and at the end of the conversation, an interesting idea assaulted me, that I had never talked to any normal person during the whole week. I didn't have a normal conversation with someone and he said, I was about to become a part of the furniture of the church. And that's true. Some people are just like that.
0: Thank you for listening. Here's a question you might want to ponder. Arturo says that because of dualism, I was so interested in spiritual things that I was not able to see God's glory in nature, and that was a great loss to me. He went on to say, quote, we talk about Jesus as my Savior, but we never talk about him as the Creator. Do you agree? Why do you think this is? What do we lose as a result? Thank you again for listening. In the next episode, our turtle will go into more depth on the issue of how we have lost a real understanding of the kingdom of God.